Simmons K. Takwaye now presents Red Queen, Part 2, by Victoria Aveyard. everyone to another episode of M&K Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford. And I'm Marissa Snyder. And this week we finished the first book in our new series, Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard, which may be not how you pronounce it. I don't know. <laughs> the jury's still out on that one. But this is a quadrology, also known as a tetralogy. So this is our first book that we finished and we still have three more left to read plus some short stories. I actually, I meant to do a little more research, but I was scared after your event last week because I read something that it was supposed to be a trilogy or like after the first book came out, it said something like she had planned a trilogy. So I'm curious oh. if the fourth book is like, good. <laughs> she finished it and then had a fourth idea or she hadn't planned out a whole trilogy, but just thought she had a lot. Like, I'm kind of curious when it Ooh. became four or if I just read an article that was wrong. <laughs> that makes me nervous because... You've not read the Monstromologist series by Rick Yancey, right? I have not, no. It was, I loved the series up until book three, and then they added a fourth one, and it ruined the entire series for me. Oh no! So I really hope that doesn't happen here. It was like devastating. That sucks, yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, well, I'll try and do some research on that before book three. Okay. So I did read a couple of things that she interview she did before the second book came out because I was like okay there can be no hopefully no spoilers before the second book came out but I was so nervous after your experience that I I didn't I was afraid to do too much so what did you spoil I want to know I did not get to the spoiled part yet oh no that's even worse I know because I thought I was like I'm sure she thinks that it's how we learned that Maven is not actually a good guy yeah or shade at the end oh or shade being still alive yeah nope it's it's uh, something else. Oh, no. <laughs> so I still have to look forward to that. <laughs> well, hopefully it'll be early in the second book so you just can... Move on. <laughs> ...be back to guessing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just move on past that disappointment. Yeah, because there were... I, I Every time something slightly unexpected happened, I was like, I wonder if that was what Marissa learned. <laughs> well, there were some big twists and turns in this second half. There were. Which, again, went super fast for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the biggest ones that you just mentioned was... Maven just made an about face and became a huge dick. Yep. And I kind of felt like I saw it coming and was still shocked. You know how I was saying like I was doubting, like the closer she became to him, the more I doubted him and the more. Yeah. But I was not expecting him to be like that evil plan, everything's a lie, turn on your brother, bad guy. I thought like he would maybe turn on the Scarlet Guard or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I thought he would like appeal to his father or something, not like do that much betrayal. Not that he would have had all this planned, too. Yeah. Like, it was so sinister the way he had everything planned out and like the way he just made Mare believe everything he said yeah. in the very beginning. Although there still seem to be some glimpses where some of it might have been real or some of, or he might have hoped that her feelings were somewhat real. Like, he's still, I'm still kind of yeah. curious if he's as bad as we think I mean, obviously, he did a terrible, terrible thing. But I'm curious if he grows into a more complicated character throughout the next mm-hmm. few books, or if he's just, like, the bad guy now. Or if he ever really cared for Mare. Yeah. 
I was just confused whenever in the first book when he joined, when he wanted to join the Scarlet Guard, how they just like let him in. I know. Like that to me was very naive because I'm like, okay, you're trying to take down the Silvers, so you're going to let the crown, not the crown prince, but a prince in the royal family become your ally without vetting him or I don't know. And even if you let him be your ally, like he was meeting like the head of the group and like seeing there's like you were giving him a ton of information all the secrets you know yeah he knew all the secrets he knows like like maybe ask him for some input but make him earn it before you make him that important in the group already or something i don't know or withhold some things yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's when i was getting nervous i thought that that was where the betrayal was going to happen like he i mean he did way worse than that so so the other big thing we learned was that Mare's brother Shade is still alive. And that there's people, Shade included, who have this weird blood thing. I just, I guess I was like, I guess this isn't, I'm linking them really closely in my mind and we found this out earlier, but Julian, Uncle Julian, that's his name, right? No, <laughs> not Uncle Julian. Well, he is to Cal. Oh, I guess so. I don't know. I think of him as Cal's Uncle Julian, but uh, okay. The former queen's brother revealed that there's a whole bunch of people and there's like a flag in their blood type which is all recorded in this blood bank that tells you that they have something magical about them too even though they're red or something yeah it's a mutation i think he said yeah and he found it in all of these people and there's a ton of them so we we like hypothesized about that last week you were like oh do you think there'll be more people like mare and i was like absolutely yes and they all have different abilities which is cool and but so I have questions about that too because it kind of sounded like there had been others that had been discovered and they'd been killed and like the evidence was gotten rid of basically mm-hmm. right like he was saying I found like these 27 yep. people who died mysteriously so my question is who was covering up those yeah. like were the king and queen just surprised that like it happened in their court because I got the impression that they were also like how did this happen at all well, I feel like whoever's covering it up was also the person who killed the first queen, Queen Cor- Corian, Corian, Cal's mom, and Julian's sister. But don't we think that that don't we think that's the new queen who killed her, caused her to commit suicide? Isn't that kind of what we were led to believe oh, yeah, when so. she turned Cal against his dad? So maybe the queen is behind all of these people, all of these seventeen soldiers. Yeah, maybe she is. I guess my question was just, do they already, did they already know that there were more red pluses? I think they do. But then it's like, why would they take Marin then if they already knew? I don't know. But maybe they hadn't figured out that it was a mutation and stuff, because that seemed to be Julian's heads up. So maybe they just were like, randomly, some of these reds have abilities, and she was just so public that they couldn't just kill her and hide it. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That could be a good point. Although now... She's very public. Now everyone knows that she bleeds red. Yeah. And that she has real powers because yeah. they were trying to make it look like they had, um, I forget the their old teacher who was like, could cloud her powers or whatever, make it so they wouldn't work. Oh, yes, yes. And they were trying to make it seem like she had been lying to everyone mm-hmm. about her powers in the first place. But then he died and she brought the lightning back. Yeah, that last so. scene was so cool in the arena when she like, breaks the barrier and then they jump into the water and it was so brutal yeah oh oh man I, i'm just ooh. like when she takes out the eyes of that the uh the guy who can, can make himself invisible. go invisible yeah yeah and then evangeline is like i mean it's amazing that they won i'm actually very ex- i kind of hope 
Because Evangeline ran away. Yeah. But she seemed to have bought into the lies that the queen had told and then realized that she was red and had power. I'm curious if she was just like straight up scared or if she was also like, hey, wait a minute, even though I don't like this girl. Like, I'm curious if this is like a growth moment for her. I I doubt it. She just seems like a bad egg. Yeah, but she also seems to just come from a bunch of bad eggs. So maybe (laughs) if she like, I don't know. Except for Lucas, her cousin Lucas. That was so sad. Uh, yeah I know I was really hoping he wouldn't die I know because we I mean at the end like Kilorn is alive Farley's alive Shay's alive and then but Lucas gets executed Ugh. Mm-hmm. and then oh that was so sad when he like the last thing he says to Mare is that she's just like everyone else because she used him to um you know free those prisoners earlier like she let Julian like mind control him that broke my heart. Yeah. I mean, he does have a point, though. And I think totally. that's totally something she needs to be aware of going forward is just because you have a different mission, if you go to the same methods as your enemy, then you're really no better than them, you know? Yeah, very true. Not that I think that's entirely the case at this point, but just she does have to be careful. There's just so many things at stake now because it's like, okay, they have to find these 27 soldiers with the mutated blood before Maven does. and now There's more than 27 out there. 27 are the true. ones who are already killed, right? Now there's yeah. like probably hundreds. Hundreds. Or... And now like Cal is accused of killing his father, even though the queen mind controlled him to do that. Yep. And it's and there's got to be a bunch of political games going on at the castle that we're not even aware of, especially sure. after their stunt failed. So yeah, I'm curious to see how the other houses react to everything that happened in the failed execution. I agree. And what a spectacle. Like, the whole idea of the, um, what was that crazy executioner place? The the Bowl of Bones? Bo- yeah, Bowl of Bones, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just horrific. I did. I saw, um, like, a YouTube interview with the author, and she said, because I guess the film rights were bought or oh, okay. auctioned off or whatever, so who knows if they'll actually make a movie or not, but she was talking about what she'd want to see, what scenes she'd want to see be made into a movie and what mm-hmm. setting she'd want to see be made into a movie. And that was the setting she'd want to see, the bowl of bones. The bowl of bones. Mm-hmm. And the scene, she said, would have been when um, Mare fell into the first arena at the Queen's... Oh, the um, lightning shield or whatever. Yep, yep. Well, it was such a good... I mean, the bowl of bones was such a good scene where it's like they... They give Cal a weapon because they are like, okay, we'll allow you to die with glory, and they don't give Mare a weapon, and then there's just these, this group of silvers who are just, like, advancing towards you, and it's, it made me think of, like, where we left off in this, I feel like we left off in a great place because last episode, we left off where Mare was about to step into the arena to train fight with Evangeline, and then the last scene of the book was her fighting for her life in a similar arena against Evangeline as well. And in the, yep. in the first scene, we were so concerned because I was like, oh my God, she's going to bleed. Everyone's going to find out. And in the second one, she does. And now now her secret's out and everyone knows. So it was like, a, I, we picked a good place, I feel. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of glad that everyone knows so that that's not going to be like an ongoing <sighs> secret anymore. Well, that actually inspired some of my research. Oh, do tell. What'd you research? I actually loved the research I did this week. Okay, I struggle to come up with something, so I'm curious what you picked. Okay, well, I just really liked the idea of Mare, like, disguising herself at the beginning and going undercover and trying to, like, masquerade herself as a silver. 
and trying to like fit in. Mm-hmm. And so I researched famous stories of people going undercover. Ooh. And I found I'm only going to talk about one story because it has some good details. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. So this is the story of Nellie Bly. Have you heard of her? I feel like I've heard the name, but I don't have any associations with it. So I'm not sure if I've even heard the name for real or not. Well, she's a, she's also famous for um, circumnavigating the globe in like 72 days. Okay, maybe that's why I've heard of her then. This story was really fascinating. So she was a journalist, and she her she was born in 1864. So not when there are a lot of female journalists, and her her. Her name at birth was Elizabeth Jane Cochran, and she was an American, and she was born near Pittsburgh. Oh, fun. Yeah, where I'm from. She was born in Armstrong County, and she first got a job with the Pittsburgh Dispatch um, because she was replying to a sexist article, an article that she thought was sexist, and um, she was so impassioned in her writing that they gave her a job. (laughs) Which is kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So as a writer, a lot of her early work was focused on the lives of working women, most of them who worked in factories. And it was kind of like an expose on the deplorable conditions that women had to work in. And it, her descriptions were so were so detailed that the newspaper started receiving complaints from the factory owners about what she was doing to them. (laughs) If you don't want people to write about it, you shouldn't do it. Isn't that like a, yeah. (laughs) A good lesson to learn. But their response was to reassign her to the women's pages to cover fashion, society, and gardening, which is like a huge bummer. (laughs) So she left the newspaper and she moved to New York and she finally started working for um, the New York World, which was Joseph Pulitzer's newspaper. And one of her assignments was she went undercover to investigate the Women's Lunatic Asylum on Blackwell Island. Oh my goodness. Did she go into the asylum? Yes. Like as a patient? Yes. So That's like one of my other fears. I know. (laughs) I mean, we lived in the 1800s. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, back then, you know, homes for the mentally ill were really terrible places. Um, So it was extremely brave of her to do this. So to get admitted to the hospital, she rented a room at a boarding house and started acting crazy. So wait, just backing up just for a second. Is this an assignment that she was given or is this something she... Okay, okay. No, it was an assignment. Okay. So she started like pestering the other residents and she started screaming in the middle of the night that she wouldn't sleep because she didn't trust anybody and she practiced making faces in the mirror that were that would be frightening and then she acted like she had bad memory loss so she acted like she couldn't remember anything and so eventually she was arrested and institutionalized and this is what's kind of nuts is she was she was examined by several doctors who all declared her clinically insane just by her acting that's crazy well i mean yeah i don't know okay one said that she was positively demented and a hopeless case. Had she, like, done research on what to do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because back then they wouldn't have had a lot of ways to, like, look at what was actually going on in your brain and stuff. Like, well, also back then, like, if anyone was acting strange, they would, yeah, their that response was, the, was like, walk them away, you know? Yeah. So I imagine it was fairly easy to get admitted. Fair. 
Okay, so they took her to Blackwell Island, which was called the Women's Lunatic Asylum back then. And she stayed there for 10 days. And she was served gruel, uh, rotten beef, dirty water, and like really dried bread. And that's all the food they had. Wow. They also, the showers that they got were just buckets of ice cold water that people would dump on her head. Terrible. And then the nurses, I guess, would uh, like abuse the patients and the, the quote unquote dangerous patients were tied together with ropes. And she said there were rats everywhere. And at one point, they made her sit perfectly still and silent on a bench for 14 hours with nothing to read, no one to talk to, and nothing to do. So this is terrible to put any person in. And to be fair, like we just said, probably a lot of people didn't actually need to be there anyways. But how is... Mm -hmm. What about someone who actually has a mental situation like yeah the places weren't designed to help people they were just designed to like keep them out of society oh yeah out of sight Mm -hmm. yeah as horrible as that is that's what essentially what they were doing and that's essentially what she was trying to expose Mm -hmm. you know like these are just places where people who need help are locked away and treated deplorably it's terrible so after 10 days her employers wrote a letter to have her released which how scary is that? Because your your life is literally in the hands of your employers, and you're just like, oh man, I hope they don't forget about me. I know that's what that's what I would have been most afraid of. Yeah, but luckily she she was released, and she was asked to assist on a grand jury to um, bring up Blackwell Island of charges on charges of abuse, and she was asked to give input on how mental wards should be reformed. Hmm. So she wrote a report that was called 10 Days in a Madhouse. And as a result, the asylum was forced to implement a lot of reforms. Good. And yeah, they they investigated the entire institution. And this is amazing. So the jury's report resulted in the budget being increased for the Department of Public Charities and Corrections, which this, you know, mental institution fell under. And they received... an an increase of $850,000 to their budget because wow. of this case. And I did, um, I looked up what that amount would be worth today. And in today's money, it would have been $21,805,000. Wow. Yeah. What an impact. I know. That's so And I was cool. just like, I was so fascinated by this story. I mean, it's, it's, it was kind of a far cry from what, what our character is going through right now, but I just thought it was a really cool case of, like, a woman going undercover to try and enact some kind of change. It's kind of related. Yeah, I think it yeah. relates. And it's a really fascinating story, so I'm glad you shared. I know. She was so brave. I can't get over how brave she was. Yeah, I, like, anytime you watch, like, an old movie or an old TV show where someone is in a, um, like, I'm thinking of, did you ever watch the show Psych? About the guy who pretends Mm -mm. to be a psychic detective, but he's really just super observant and really dramatic, kind of. No, I think I would like it, though. It's hilarious. It's one of my favorite shows. But there's an episode where they, like, are in a psychiatric ward, and he's, like, playing up that he... I don't know. It's just... But I was like, I'd be so nervous that I wouldn't be able to get out. Like, if you convince Mm -hmm. them well enough that you belong there... Yeah. I don't know. And at least she, like, brought attention to the people who were suffering in the wall behind the walls you know yeah and it's actually really cool that she was assigned that from work too i'm curious why mm-hmm. you know like how that even came up on their radar well i guess a good newspaper should be doing stuff like that investigating yeah. Kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah 
So that was my research for this week. It was better than um, terrible torture and execution examples, which is where I was originally going to (laughs) go. That is good. Yeah, I tried to keep it light. Well, so my research is kind of goofy, but I, um, what was it that Mara kept reminding herself? Anyone can betray anyone or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And so I looked into how to tell if someone is lying. (laughs) <laughs> because Mara could really use some tips. <laughs> she sure could. So um, I actually read some like really fascinating statistics that I didn't know about. So let's see where they went. Um, so some stuff you might suspect, like we lie more to strangers than we lie to people we know. Uh, extroverts lie more than introverts, which I thought was interesting. Oh, the, are you an introvert or an extrovert? I test more introvert, but I'm like very close to being Mm. a ambivert or whatever it's called. What are you? I'm extrovert. (laughs) So you're more likely to lie than me. I'm more likely to just tell you the wrong information or in the first place. (laughs) Uh, Men lie eight times more about themselves than they do about other people, whereas women tend to lie more to protect other people. Whoa. And the average married couple lies to their spouse in one out of every 10 interactions. No way. But if you're unmarried, you lie in one out of every three interactions. To your boyfriend or or girlfriend? I think it's, yeah, I think it's someone you're in a relationship with. Whoa. So they said the average person will hear between 10 and 200 lies per day. What? And in the first 10 minutes of meetings, someone you lie on average three times. So a lot of it's like small white lies that aren't considered harmful um (laughs) but wait you're getting lied to up to 200 times per day yeah like just fascinating across all the people and it's some of it's you know little things like um what were some of the examples you know like a co-worker being like oh i you know got caught up in email when they were on instagram or you know i mean like it can be like really small stuff and well i almost lied to you today when we started recording because you called me and i got the times mixed up and I thought we were supposed to be recording at eight but it was eight your time and I almost was like oh yeah I'm ready let's go and then I was like I'm not ready I missed I messed up (laughs) (laughs) and I was like still making dinner and getting ready but that's not like a crazy lie and that's that's kind of the funny thing like it's not I mean it's bad but it's not super bad but that's what they're also like this research was also saying because we start to become accustomed to lying about little things our like guilt or anger about it like we grow accustomed to it so we don't react that way and then it can lead to bigger or more lies but I also read some interesting stuff about like children like babies will fake a cry pause and wait to see who's coming before they're a year old I heard that if your child lies when they're young it's actually a sign of intelligence Yeah, I mean, it's a sign of creativity, like being able to manufacture something that wasn't real or whatever. Yeah, five-year-olds will lie outright, two-year-olds can bluff, kids will start to manipulate via flattery, nine-year-olds can cover up stuff. But they say 20% of your interactions in college with your parents are lies. Yeah, I believe that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not shocking when you think of it. Especially when you think about it, it's like little things. Like, oh, yeah, I was at the library all night or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, it's not like you necessarily need to tell someone the truth, but it's a lot of what we do to just, like, keep peace or whatever. Mm-hmm. We sort of know everyone's doing it, too. So so it's like to make people not worry. Hmm. And so there's actually um, this TED Talk that I skimmed the transcript of, but I'm planning to watch when I have more time. But uh, this author of Lie Spotting, which is a book by Pamela Meyer, she gave a TED Talk about different things to look for to tell 
if people are lying or not. Ooh, okay. Tell me what to look for. Okay, so basically a lot of the things that we're told to look for or that you think like if you're making too much eye contact or not enough eye contact or things like that aren't necessarily great indicators, but mm. but getting a baseline for what people are like when they're telling the truth and then figuring out what is if they're doing something mm. different. So if someone usually makes really good eye contact and then they're not, that might be a sign that they're lying or vice versa. So um, especially with like your significant other or your family or good friends kind of being able to pay attention to when they're acting differently than the norm, that might be a sign that they're lying. That's why they ask you control questions and you take a lie detector test. Yeah, although I read... Because they want to see, like, how your heart rate is at rest. I also read that if you're trying to trick a lie detector test, when they're asking you control questions and you lie, you should, like, bite your tongue or something like that so you have more Mm. of a physical reaction to the lie. And then if you actually are lying, it won't, like, be as... Noticeable, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so there's also these ideas of micro expressions. So your face usually can't mask a true emotion with a false emotion all of the time. So there'll be like flashes of the true emotion in between, mm. like, and it could be as quick as like 125th of a second on your face. Um, okay. But they say, especially on your, yeah, your facial. There's so many muscles in your face, it's hard to control all of them. Like, you've probably even seen... I just did a photo shoot with James today. And Aww. when you're, like, fake smiling versus real... You know what I mean? Like, when you're, you like, tell. smiling yeah. for the camera versus, yep. like, laughing at a joke or something. Um, and part of that is also because you just can't control, like, every single muscle in your face to make it look like a genuine emotion. So look at if the bottom of their face matches the top of their face or just, in general, be observant <laughs> to... If there are flashes where they look actually angry or guilty or mad or sad when they're trying to act a different way, that could be a good sign. So even more than body language, Mm -hmm. looking at those micro expressions of the face. Gotcha. Uh, Repeating the question. So a lot of these are also speech patterns that people will do. So if someone starts repeating the question a lot, they might be ensuring they heard you correctly, but they also could be like stalling for time or trying to think through how they're going to react to it or, you know, put together their story in their head. So... Don't just assume that someone's lying if they do that, but if they do that along with some of these other things, it could be a sign that they're lying. I'm going to be looking for this now. Uh, They also say unnecessary superlatives. So if you use, like, absolutely, literally, like, Mm. tons of these words that you don't necessarily need to put in there, if you're peppering your speech too much with that, it might be a sign that you're trying to um, distract someone or bolster your argument. Okay. They also say if you use phrases like, in all candor, or... If I'm being completely honest or if I had to swear on the stack of Bibles. So basically like going out of your way to remind people that or like to point out that you're being honest or things like that can be that qualifying language could be seen as a sign that you're actually lying. Okay. Same with flourishes on the word no. So flourishes on the word no? Like no. Oh yeah. (laughs) No. Or you know, or um pausing too long and saying no or things like that. Um, and they said, this is one of the tricks they say, force someone to use the word no. Um, so instead of like, I noticed that there was something inaccurate on this expense report. Do you know anything about it? You could just say like, did you file a false expense report and like force them to say no? Oh, and that will make them uncomfortable. Yeah. 
Um, they also say failing to remember details upon retelling because usually if you're telling a false story, you'll kind of get the story set in your mind. Mm-hmm. And also one way to like trick someone or find out is to ask them to tell the story backward or ask them to like verify something that they said earlier because it's harder for them to keep details straight if they're making up a story and they're trying to recount it yeah. in a different way than if it's like an actual memory that they have. That's, I mean, that's like tactics that law enforcement uses too. Yep. Yeah. This was, I didn't actually watch these videos because I haven't seen the TED Talk yet, but um, Pamela Meyer was also talking about how like inappropriate emotions can be a sign. Mm. And she showed these two videos of mothers whose children were killed. And in one video, the woman's daughter was murdered and she was just like angry. It was like raw emotion, like completely just an honest reaction to your daughter Mm. being murdered. And in the other video, um, she actually was the one who murdered her children, and she's trying to hide that secret. Uh, and you can just, like, her reaction is nowhere near the same level because it's, she can't even imagine. Sure. Have you seen The Staircase? No, I haven't. You should watch it. It's a documentary on Netflix, and it's about this crime writer who was accused of killing his wife. Uh-huh. And in the very first episode... You he so he finds his wife at the bottom of a staircase, and you hear the nine one one call in the first episode. And this documentary is so fascinating because my first reaction was, "Oh my god, of course he did this." And when I first heard the nine one one call, I looked at Chad and I was like, "This is the fakest sounding nine one one call I've ever heard." I was like, "This this sounds completely fake." But then as the show went on, I started to think more and more that he was innocent. And it made me go back and like question the 911 call and be like, oh, is that, did that sound as fake as I thought? But like, that was my first reaction was this is completely fake. That's what they, they actually say that a lot of people can tell when people are lying, but then you tend to talk yourself out of it. So you'll actually like Mm. say someone's lying only about 56% of the time when they're actually lying. But there's like certain other signs that show that you're picking up on the lies but you're not you're subconsciously picking up on the lies but you're not like aware that people are lying to you that's interesting because it's almost like you want to believe the best in people yeah and Mm. I mean a lot of times like we said a lot of the lies like when we were saying those crazy numbers they said Mm -hmm. um usually you're doing it to like it's not like a big deal or you're protecting something in like a social contract kind of way or something like that but obviously that can become a big issue backfire yep cool i love that that was good that was really good that was interesting it was interesting and it also made me think i was trying to think about how much i lie because i don't think of myself as a liar but especially when they're pointing out like what things were counting as lies i'm like do i really lie to james like a 10 percent of the time maybe i don't know not like not obviously on purpose like i'm not like oh yeah no but I mean, I think everyone's guilty of, like, embellishing stories maybe a little month, a little bit. Yeah. And is that really bad or... I don't know. I wonder if I'll be more conscious of myself now and yeah. how that will change things. But yeah, I want to... I definitely want to check out that TED Talk. Me too. I feel like a lot of lies that you tell are just, like, convenience lies. Like, you don't feel like doing something, so you act or, like you did and it yeah. just didn't work out. You know, like... Well, they didn't have they didn't have that at the grocery store because I didn't feel like carrying a gallon of milk home. <laughs> or like I'm too tired to go out tonight, but really I just would rather read my book. I'm not really that yep. tired or something. <laughs> oh yeah, think of all the lies you tell to get out of event, like things you have to go to. <laughs> Especially as an introvert who doesn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
that's funny. But then it's also funny because I feel like, you know, well, I guess if they say you in a normal relationship, it's one out of 33%. And in a married relationship, it's 10%. And I'm like, I feel like I'm more comfortable with James now where I just tell him, like, I just don't want to go because I want to read my book. <laughs> yeah, same here. I feel like I try to be honest Yeah, most of the time. Because I, I feel so bad when I lie to you. Like, maybe, I, you know, I have, a, I have a really strong guilt complex. I think I do, too. But I think sometimes I, like, intentionally tell the truth without telling the whole truth if I, like, really don't want to. Yes, Like, technically, I'm, say, I'm not saying anything false, but I'm not really telling the whole story sometimes. <laughs> not telling the whole truth yeah. and nothing about the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, think either one of us are big liars. I don't no. think we have a problem. Especially compared to these statistics, I'd say we're doing better than normal. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Okay, so the other bit of research I did this week was mm-hmm. I took a quiz to find out what silver superpower I have. Oh my goodness, I was supposed to did do you that. Did you do it? I totally forgot. Nope, but I'm going to okay. do it while you're telling me about yours. Okay. Um, I was really disappointed. I took it twice, <laughs> hoping to did get you get the same thing? Result. I lied to the quiz just to try and get a different result, and it didn't work. Um, Wait, was, so you still got the same thing? Yeah. <laughs> I am a strong arm so boring i don't think that's bad i actually kind of want to get to know some of the other silvers better i'm gonna be like a silencer or whisper or i don't know a magnetron is that what they called yeah they did yeah okay one of them was like pick your favorite disney villain and one's pick a grumpy cat that's what i oh yeah I that too. <laughs> but the disney villain was great because one of them was gaston and i was like i can never not pick gaston as my favorite villain i think that's why i got strong <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that is uh Ooh, i control electricity what yeah you're the little lightning girl i am oh my god you you're the mutated hybrid silver red blood well that's a great superpower yeah, I actually like feel like it would be really useful if I was better at electrical things. Anyway, so well, you can create storms to get out of social events, so you won't have to lie. I might have to lie. There's a storm. <laughs> They're like, Katie, can't you stop that? <laughs> I'm like, no. For some reason, I can't control this one. I don't know why. It's right over the party. <laughs> or I can make it rain the day before my wedding, like without spending a million dollars, like the king and queen, and then I'll have sunny skies. <laughs> do cloud seeding, or yeah. Or just, uh, I hate when I'm in bed and I, like, can't turn the light off. Oh, yeah, and you have to get out of bed to turn the light off? Yeah, I hate things like that. If I could just be, like, zing. That's what I want a superpower for. Not, like, big, mind-blowing things. Just little, tiny details that would make your life easier. Small conveniences. I know. I kind of like, and there's not a lot of stories like this, I feel like. I actually feel like this would be a story I'd want to read. More of the everyday life people in like worlds like this like instead of someone trying to overthrow you know like changing the world and like being at history like just like a silver in this world one of the lower class ones we learned that there are lower class silvers that don't have as strong powers who are like the merchant class yeah i am curious to see how they play into all of this like if they'll be potential allies or if they'll be more you know if they Mm -hmm. go with the silvers or the scarlet guard or something in between or how they feel about because you would think they'd be upset with the current structure of power, but not to the level that the Reds are, so... Right. Yeah, they're not suffering as much as the Reds are. And I'm curious to see, like, other countries and other parts of this country. Like, I thought it was really cool to change from where we were by the stilts in the summer house or winter house or whatever season it is, and go mm-hmm. on through the... What was that place called? Where all the, the gray city... Oh, Greytown. Yeah, like, where all the... The reds and the pollution and all of that. 
are living in terrible conditions. And then also when we're in that like worm train thing and we go to the the city of ruin and we find out that actually like it's not yeah. there's no radiation there anymore but i'm nervous because guess who knows that too now maven ah he knows everything that reminded me a little bit of like district 13 from the hunger games how like everyone thinks that it's destroyed but it's actually a city that's being used by the resistance yeah that's true although i also i feel like and i don't remember if this maybe also happened in the hunger games a little bit but i love how the reds use technology because like they have to whereas the silvers haven't really they just like rely on their red servants basically because they just yeah. use their powers and how that's actually hurting them and mm-hmm. yeah i'm interested to see more about how mare becomes active in the resistance because i really like that her and cow are pretty complicated characters because mm-hmm. she's done some things that really aren't great but she's doing them kind of to to help the cause and she feels like and it's not even necessarily the cause it, it's she's mostly motivated by helping her people her family yeah. her friend I mean you know not like she cares about the cause I think but I think she's been motivated a lot by protecting her family specifically yeah that's true but even like when Maven gave Farley the names of the silvers for the attack at the ball and um, that man Bellicose was one of them, and she sees that he has kids, and she's, like, mm-hmm. flipping out. Um, she still goes along with it, and she still, like, tries to tell herself, like, this is what has to happen for us to, you know, reach our goals. And so mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious, like, how far she'll go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even the way she behaved just now in the last scene. I mean, um, Cal didn't kill what's-his-name at the end. Oh, yeah. He let... But she basically killed everyone she could. Right, right. And she was, um, like, basically telling him to kill him. She was like, "Yeah, oh, my God, kill him, kill him, kill him. Oh, Sanos. And he won't. Oh, no, it was the brother. Oh, no, 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 was... no, no, no. It's um, Evangeline's brother, um, Ptolemus. I forget. There were so many people trying to kill people in this scene. I know. It was a crazy scene. I would, like, need to see that happen, like, five times on the screen before I understood it, I think. <laughs> so, okay, but I was trying to... So he was pulling her away from the soldiers coming, right? Cal was? But he didn't know yeah. that yeah. people were coming to save them, obviously. Probably. No, they just jumped out of the arena into water. And the Reds just happened to be there to... Yeah. Grab them. Okay. <laughs> she wakes up on a subway. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's an electric I hate worm. When that I, I like to call it the electric worm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you'll definitely call it that. From <laughs> and I think Cal is going to be in an even more interesting position because he can't really just go back to where he was before. His dad's not there. His brother betrayed him. Even his soldiers who looked up to him think that he wanted power more than anything yeah so he doesn't really have a community to go back to but he also doesn't really believe in this red cause or at least thinks it's not the right way to go about it and also just has a bunch of anger right now so i'm curious how and they can't they have to be even less trusting of a silver than before because the scarlet guard has to of course yeah. they would have to be hopefully or else they haven't learned a damn thing <laughs> i know and and there's there's so many people who are doing things that to me seems so stupid like when maven convinces mare that cal will take her side in the square and i was like really you think he's gonna betray his father his mother his entire kingdom for Mm -hmm. someone that he met a month ago 
And of course he doesn't. Like, that wasn't a surprise when she was like, please choose me. And he was like, are you crazy? No. Yeah. Like, you're going to be arrested right now. <laughs> I know. I also feel like if you wanted him to come to your side, you don't do it in that moment like that. Like, you, like, lay some more groundwork. Not, like, one, like, wink on a balcony. I know it wasn't a wink, but... <laughs> one kiss yeah. at, at a ball and... Oh my gosh. That was just, that seems strange to me. Because I was like, this is so obviously not going to work out. Like, how are you so deluded that you thought that would work? And again, I'm curious, like, is Farley an adult? Um, I think she's like a young adult. Okay, because I feel like, is she really in charge? Or maybe she is just the face of this group right now that's interacting with them. I like really hope there's Mm -hmm. someone else who has a better plan. (laughs) Is leading them? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I'm sure they will because she did say, the author did say that there's going to be many new characters in the second book. Okay, good. Um, so I, I'm sure we'll meet more people in the Resistance. Well, my book actually, did you have, my book had like an inside look at the Scarlet Guard at the end of it and it was some memos going back and forth between some people. Ooh, I had um, a bit of the next book. I have no memos. Okay, or maybe memos the wrong word, but it's all in like code, so I don't even know really what's going on, but um, there's definitely like, it's from the Scarlet Guard to other people in the Scarlet Guard, and there's a few different code names for people. Oh, that's cool. And they're trying to like plan things, but it's like pretty vague. But I'm curious like which level Farley is, like if she's one of the people communicating, if she's above all these people, if she's one of the people they're referencing, I don't know. Or just a recruiter maybe. Good question. I'm sure we'll find out. And we have two short stories that we're going to read um, eventually. Yeah. I'm not sure when, but we're supposed to read them after the first book. So Queen Song and Steel Scars. Yep. And one is about Farley, it looks like. Oh, okay. Can I just say, I really, I really hate the names in this book. You do? All of them? Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't think of one that I like. Like Maven? Cow? And Farley is just the worst. Farley, I do not like Farley. I'll give it's you that. It's the worst. <laughs> Especially for, like, the face of the leader of this resistance. And, like, her name is Farley. That's why I'm, like, partially I'm, like, she can't really be the leader, right? I'm, like, there's got to be a different leader. It's so, it's it's very small and petty of me, but I can't, I just, I'm, I'm struggling here. Although I always think about, like, I'm, like, I can't come up with names at all. Like, that's one of the things I, sh- when I just write little silly mm-hmm. stories for myself, I, like, never have good names at all i know someone who whenever she writes short stories she she uses only people she knows so like when her friends read her short stories like there's always a character named after them (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that'd be hard for i think that's part of my problem because when i like pick a name i like already have so many associations with it in my head and it's hard Mm -hmm. for me to like create a new character i don't know why yeah i i like um evangeline's name a lot oh i do too and i liked I liked Arvin. I kind of like Ilara. And I like Ilara. And Julian is a good name. It's just the princes. It's the princes and Farley I can't get past. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Farley. And then, like, the king has this, like, Roman-sounding name. Had. Had. <laughs> but He's that's gone. Cal's name, too, isn't it? Like, Oh, yeah. He has, like, six isn't names. Isn't he also he? named Tiberius or whatever? Yeah. That's, that's my biggest complaint right now, so... I, I write most of my stories. I write from like a point of view where you never know the name of the main character because I have so much trouble with it. Oh, <laughs> I just don't give anyone names. <laughs> and then I just like give up on writing when they like have to interact with someone who should call them by a name. <laughs> like, well, oh, no. I'm done. I give up. New you story. With the face. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. Well, do we want to talk about the next book? 
Yes, let's talk about it. Okay. So it's the second of four, and it's called Glass Sword. Right? That's the second one. Glass Sword. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sometimes I get nervous that I'm going to pull out the wrong one in the series. (laughs) Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there's quite a lot of them. Okay. I think it's your turn to read the back. Okay. If there's one thing Mare Barrow knows, it's that she's different. Mare Barrow's blood is red, the color of common folk, but her silver ability, the power to control lightning, has turned her into a weapon that the royal court tries to control. The crown calls her an impossibility, a fake. But as she makes her escape from Maven, the prince, the friend who betrayed her, Mare uncovers something startling. She is not the only one of her kind. We already knew all that. Yeah. This is just a recap. (laughs) Pursued by Maven... (laughs) <laughs> now a vindictive king, Mare sets out to find and recruit other red and silver fighters to join in the struggle against her oppressors. But Mare finds herself on a deadly path at the risk of becoming exactly the kind of monster she is trying to defeat. Will she shatter under the weight of the lives that they, that are the cost of rebellion, or have treachery and betrayal hardened her forever? This electrifying next installment in the Red Queen series escalates the struggle between the growing rebel army and the blood-segregated world they've always known and pits Mare against the darkness that has grown in her soul. Oh, see? I told you she's going to be dark. Yep, you called it. And I guess we should have known Ooh. she was going to go try and find these red and silver people, because that's the obvious next step. Yeah, that's obvious. But yeah, is she going to become exactly the kind of monster she's trying to defeat? That's what I was worried about, too. Well, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> tell me. Or do you know? Is that what you No, I didn't. I I will tell you whenever we I know you learn will. the spoiler that was spoiled for me. <laughs> Every chapter I'm going to be like, was that it? <laughs> In my head until we know. Um, okay. Um, how, how far do we want to read? Oh, yeah. Um, chapter 16. Okay, chapter 16. Okay. Sounds good. And what I want to know, I, I guess we already heard what the author's favorite scene from this book was, but what was your favorite scene? Hmm. And who's your favorite character? I mean... So far. Two questions. Ooh, those are good questions. I think Julian's my favorite character. Oh, that's a good choice. Who's your favorite character? <sighs> I like Maven just because I I like how good he was at like deceiving Mare, mm-hmm. and I think he's a really interesting villain, and I kind of want to see more of him. I and I want to see him still be complicated. Like I don't want him to just mm-hmm. now be the bad guy for the next three books. Like I want Agreed. him to like kind of walk the line a little bit. Yeah. But my favorite scene, I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks like something like the ball would just be cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, when that explosion goes off? Yeah, because then you'd get some of the, like, chaos, but you'd also see mm-hmm. some of the, like, costumes and, I don't know, stuff like that. Or just when they're in the training room and, like, seeing the walls move around and stuff like that could be kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'd want to see a fight just because, I don't know. But what would you want to see? I'm still set on the Queen's trial. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Because they're just kind of showing off their powers. it would be really powers. cool to see mm-hmm. all the, fa- and, like, I like how every family has a color... And they were all there, like, rooting for their champion. And it was, like, a young woman from all of their house had to present herself and, like, show off her ability. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I liked I liked that a lot. And I think it could be a cool scene in a movie. I agree. Especially because it's sort of the introduction to that world in a lot of ways. So it would be, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well. Do you have a joke for me? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Marissa, nine times out of ten, Marissa forgets the dad joke. <laughs> oh, my. So I told you we did a photo shoot today, right? Yeah. James is, like... I don't know. I grew up in a family where we'd have to take, like, Christmas cards once a year, and there's, like, three girls. I don't know. I've, like, gotten used to, like, posing for pictures Mm. for a little bit and, Mm -hmm. like, just whatever. He is very uncomfortable with it. He doesn't know what to do. 
So I was like, just talk to me, look at me. Like we're, and it wasn't anything official. We just had my sister. We went to the sunflower farm that was only open for like a week. Oh. And just had her take some pictures and hung out. But I was like, tell me a joke or something. And he started, he goes, once upon a time. <laughs> I'm like, where are you going? He's like, I don't remember how to tell jokes. I'm like, stop worrying about the camera. You're fine. Just listen to but, our podcast <laughs> once and you'll remember. Yeah, serious. <laughs> tell about the billy goat on the stone again or whatever. <laughs> but anyways, what's your joke? Okay. I found a Instagram page that is all dad jokes. So I'm taking a lot of stuff from them. I love things like that. I follow a couple as well. so great. Okay. What kind of blood do you give a pessimistic person? Um, You could actually get this one if you think about it. Red blood. Silver (laughs) blood. Is this something about... (laughs) Be positive. Oh. (laughs) I forgot about blood types. I was like, what kind of, like, pig blood? No. Like, I was like, what could it be? Uh, I thought it was appropriate for the content of our story of the red and silver blood. That, that was very fitting. I like it. <laughs> um, so we're going to keep reading, but if you guys want to get in touch with us, um, you can send us an email at mnktalkya at gmail.com. You could also find us on Facebook or Instagram at mnktalkya. And if you're feeling like it, we would really appreciate it if you could give us a rating on iTunes because it helps us reach more people. Thank you all. Thank you for listening. Okay, let's dig into book two. And luckily... I can't wait. We still have three books. So, yeah. I know. And I'm excited to stay in this world. And if you want, go read the short stories as well because you won't spoil anything, I don't think. I won't spoil what was spoiled for me, I promise. <laughs> I'd be so nervous if I were you. Like, what if I predict something and you accidentally oh, And I have to lie to, to your face, but not really because we do this over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On that note... Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.